This podcast may contain content that might be objectionable. The views and opinions expressed in the podcasts produced on this channel are those of the individual podcasters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AMV Zone Podcast. Some podcasts are for mature audiences and include language not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of the AMV Zone podcast. My name is Beck. I'm also known as uh, Golden Shinigami. I don't think many people know me on YouTube. Uh, today I have with me Patton, also known as, uh, how do I say it, OSNV. You got it. Yeah, everyone always tries to give it some really fucked up pronunciation. And uh, no, nah, it's just OSNV, just the letters as it okay. is. So you don't pronounce I'm it as like a word. Yeah, more people know me as Pat by at this point now than my like online handles. I actually know you for your old ID. Yeah, I've had uh, fewer names than most people, but yeah, still. All right, so when I uh, when I actually found out that I was going to be doing the podcast with you, uh, we're both people that have been around for like a long ass time in the community. Like yeah, we've been here for a fucking minute. Like I think I started two thousand eight ish. Um, I yeah, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, I was gonna say yeah, yeah, two thousand eight, and uh, I think I started around. It was August two thousand seven was when I started editing, and it's December twenty nineteen now. Oh my god. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Like, um, like, how do you actually know that uh, you started back at that time? It's like, did you watch a video that really stood out that got you into it? I started out editing videos on YouTube because I was watching Club Penguin uh, music videos at the time. So it wasn't uh, AMVs? It wasn't AMVs. I started doing Club Penguin music videos at first. Uh, and I don't know why, to 2007, it was really big then. Everybody, like, fucking everyone had a Club Penguin, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, I was just watching, like, narrative videos with it. Like, this dude, Heat Blast 227. I'm sure, like, that name's, like, familiar to some people who are listening. But I started out uh, watching his stuff. Then, like, in related videos, there'd be, like, some really trash, like, lyric video or whatever with, like... So I click on that, and it'd be, like, new blue effects, like, 1.3s oh, and stuff. So I'm like, oh, what's all this? Like, how am I, like... You mean like those um, those RuneScape videos where they would write down the lyrics in Chad? Exactly. It was exactly like that. <laughs> and uh, so I started doing those. Uh, and then that started learning more about the video editing effects, how to get Sony Vegas. Like I actually like, I was like a little kid. And, like begged my parents some like, I was at uh, Circuit City, which isn't even like a, a fucking chain anymore in America. Circuit begged, City. Yeah, it was like a like a like a different version of Best Buy. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and uh, like I begged them, like because everyone by my house, I'm like, can you like, can you can I buy a Sony Vegas movie studio there for like forty dollars, like which is like an infinite amount of money when you're a kid. And I actually bought, so they ended up buying Sony Vegas for me, like movie studio. That's actually pretty rare. I think most people never did that. <laughs> yeah, because like day, because like I didn't know how to pirate stuff at the time. I had no idea. But I remember I got it and it was so shitty and the the features on it were so limited because there's a different versions of it of Sony Vegas. It used to be like movie studio, like silver and like gold or whatever and pro. And uh, 
the other versions were so cut back and limited. I was so pissed when I got it. I learned how to pirate it out of spite that day because I got it and I installed it and I was like, this is so shitty. I got to figure this pirate shit out. So I do I remember that. Uh, yeah. So I went home and fucking busted out Pirate Bay and one of the loud ass keygens and gave my computer oh my a God. fucking virus. <laughs> and it was great. And I was off off the fucking races, man. I used to have this yeah. glitch where the uh, key gen would inf infinitely start opening. And, oh, um, yeah, they used to fucking happen all the time. Like, keygens back then were actually shitty. Like, kids these days don't... Here we are already starting. But kids these days don't know how good they have it with, like, repacks and stuff. Like, there's no keygens and stuff nowadays. It's just, like, one repack for Vegas now. Yeah, dropping, done. like, a DLL file into a folder and it's done. There's none of that, like, plug your cable out, put in this file. Yeah, it was actually. Uh, don't like, open Vegas. Don't open Vegas before you put in this file. Blah blah blah. There was all these Vegas, requirements. I'll destroy your router. Like put your router in another room. Like turn everything off. Like did you know? It's just. It was just like yeah. You had to go through so many actual steps to crack shit, and now it's like just install it. That's it. You're good. Dude, even even if people weren't uh, to use like Sony Vegas or something, you got shit like DaVinci Resolve right now. That is like, I think like in the professional world, like really killing it, and it's free, and most people don't know about it, but. I guess back then we didn't have a choice because um, I, I guess like everyone started using either Movie Maker or iMovie. You immediately knew when people use iMovie, you would see these text animations. Yeah, there was like three like stock anime. I mean, lots of my early videos were Windows Movie Maker, like the blue fucking screen with the white yeah. text. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of my videos were those. Um, but, but yeah, the iMovie stuff was like way more blatant for some reason. It was like way more limited, I think. Yeah, it would have like the same like uh, text coming in from left and right and like an angle and stuff. And it was like always the same shit. I knew a couple of like iMovie editors and they used to flex their editing on a Mac that they're like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, So you had your start at or basically you started by watching like the Club Penguin videos. They used to make lyric videos out of that. How did you transition from that into actually like editing anime, like AMVs? I think I got bored of, of Club Penguin and I was trying to No, what it was was I was started doing um I started doing uh like a video game videos. I bought a like a Dazzle DVD recorder capture card, like a component. I remember those. Card. Yeah. Yeah, I bought one of those because I was making a Budokai Tenkaichi 3 fanfic. Like people used to make those videos. A and fanfic? Uh, a fanfic video. So like you'd like go and like record the characters and you go in the replay settings and like turn the HUD off and stuff. And you'd record that and you'd put like your own text over it, you know? Oh my God. And I was working with, like I had a writer for it and everything. Like I didn't do the writing, some other dude did. And I just would do all the recording, you know? And But he lived in Australia, this dude. And uh, so like all of our correspondence would have like a fucking day between it. Like I'd message him a question or something and he'd take forever to respond because just the time zones were all fucked up. And uh, so one day I'm like, fuck it. Like, I want to I want to edit some Dragon Ball Z, but I don't have like the video game footage right now for the writing because I'm like, you know, I don't he's waiting on to send me the script. So I'm like, let me go get like clip or something off it. And I went to um, end up finding out about DB Arena, which it doesn't it doesn't have the clips anymore. But at the time it used to have a few like Dragon Ball Z clips. It had like 20 mm -hmm. clips or something. I remember ABI, that in like DivX AVI on the website. You could download it for free. 
and everyone in the universe used that site. It was hilarious. Yep. But <laughs> I got that, and then I started putting stuff together, and I was making, I think my first full AMV is a, uh, it's like a three days grace Dragon Ball Z, uh, Dragon Ball Z AMV with like Riot or something. It's got to be something like that, I think. Like one of the classics. Oh yeah, man. Uh, you can't see in the visual now, but Andy just posted it, a screen cap of the website, and it's a it's a screen cap of it from Windows Vista. Dude had to tweak the screenshot. Has <laughs> oh my like, god! Oh my god! It looked that's like an updated version of it too. It's not that doesn't even look like it nowadays. Or what that it looks really then. familiar to me. Yeah, but that's that's updated. That was before. I mean, that's after. Uh, it had the clips and stuff that doesn't look like it right there. But yeah. It was really old, and then like it was like a ton of uh, fucking like ads. This is before ad blocking stuff on Chrome existed, so you had to like be actually careful about what you clicked on. Otherwise, if you were like a pixel off, it was actually just a fucking virus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny you bring that up because uh, you uh, or I don't know, did you ever use LimeWire? No, I never used LimeWire. I went straight to really? torrent. I never used any of those services. What about you? I was all right. So I think for the first three years of me editing or three to four years, at least I was on my parents PC and I have Turkish parents and they are very strict. <laughs> if I fuck around with something, my dad spent a lot of money on I'm you know, gonna get my ass beat. So I was very, I was also very undercover about that. I was editing videos on my dad's PC. He wasn't supposed to find out, right? This was kind of like the era where you go like, okay, I don't want people to know that I actually fucking watch anime and shit. Yeah, you <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't tell anyone you were an editor that was super that was super gay back then, man. Like yeah, and yeah. um, there used to be okay, so <laughs> I used to download all my stuff from LimeWire, but LimeWire was so messed up; it had whole AMVs on it. It had this you probably know this the three doors down. Dragon Ball yep, Z AMV. Yep, yep. Like, I know that. I know that one. There's like a if, few AMVs that stand out that everyone knows. with the Gen Emba fight. Yep. Like that one on LimeWire. If you typed in like Dragon Ball Z, it would show up like Goku versus Frieza, and you download it, which would take like a whole day because it's just you know back then internet was terrible. You download it, and it's just that video. It's, it's like no matter what you download it, it was that video. So. <laughs> Um, I would, you know, I would get that and I was like, at some point I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll, um, I'll use that to edit. And then, um, you use the AMV, you cut up the already made AMV. I, yeah. I used to cut that up, but back then I can, I can say for a fact, my verse, my first video was 10 minutes long and it took me 10 minutes to make. And, uh. And of course, I tried to upload the save file because I didn't know what rendering was. Yeah, that took a. I was, it was like, it was when you did render, it was probably WMV format. Oh, my first that? format was AVI. Oh my god! And I got to learn that the hard way. It was like XVID, AVI, or DivX. There was those two codecs, infamously. Yeah, yeah. Like I was always, um, I guess back then. You know, you had the software. Everyone was basically using the same stuff. So you always kind of found out like how to edit video. But back then, I remember that being able to have a really good source that gives you stuff that doesn't have subs or doesn't have watermarks or that stuff. That that stuff was like impossible to find back then. So you would have to 
crop out subtitles like don't give a fuck about the logo that's in the corner of like jetix or whatever it was like it was really broke back in the day it used to be like yeah you'd see people with like the big ass like tokyo tv uh yeah like even like four four kids like tv like watermarks in the corners they were like cliffs and shit it was like there was an editor watermarks were huge back then like on kids shows and stuff it would take up like a full like quarter of the screen, basically. I feel like like it stands out that much at least. Now it's like even if I see someone using like a kiss anime clip and it's got like that little watermark on it, like I want to throw up. But it's still, we come a long way when it comes to watermarking stuff. Not gonna lie, I if I saw a video that I thought was dope and it had a watermark in it, I was thankful because the watermark showed me what movements they were making with the screen. I was like, oh, so that's how they do the shakes. They fucking move it left to right, up and down. And oh my God. the watermark gave their style away. I was like, ah, like as a kid, I was like, ah, they're so stupid. Like, I know exactly what they're doing. But then, you know, people found out about new blue active camera shit. And then that started to be the the shake. Of the, no, it's new, it's new blue earthquake, not active camera, man. It's specifically earthquake. I like the train ride one. That was dope. That one's, that one's a good one. But... Did, did you ever go through like the different phases of styles that everyone went through? Oh yeah, there was. I I remember one style being the manga edits, where people would cut out manga panels and put video in. I think um, um like Tho Nuts started that with his um Goku's World edit. You remember that video? Yeah, I think I know that. <laughs> yeah, there was like a, there's a sequence in there where he's got like manga like moving around and stuff. And he's got like like blurred, so like it's like moving and stuff. It's really really rudimentary, but like that video, I feel like I saw a lot of that after that video came out. Yeah, you know, back in the day, pre comping wasn't a thing, so you would legit try to mask out the panel, which was which would probably be like a really bad mask. Position your video behind it, render that, import it back in, and then that would be you know. During that process, you're losing quality because you're re-upload, like reusing footage that's rendered. Yeah, because no at one, the end, yeah, no one used like lossless stuff yet. Yeah, so like it's just like MP4, like twenty four hundred MVP, like MBPS or something. It was fucking awful, man. Like, um, and yeah, like I said, like I never had a good source. I would get, uh, I think I edited One Piece mostly during that time. I would get stuff with like Spanish subtitles. <laughs> And like watermarks and stuff. And I, I would just be like, hey, if I cut out the audio and hide the subs, I'm good. Remember the but, thing know. for a while that was like the Spanish episodes of stuff were, were like the high quality episodes. Like the Spanish DBZ or whatever like encodes were like really good or something somehow. Like I, I think that was a lie in and up being but because the Spanish like, One Piece was really good. Yeah, but like I remember um that came around like around like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, like Casper, like seven thousand razor was like telling yeah, people like yeah. he originally used like Spanish DBZ and codes or something. So that was the thing to do was his stuff. I didn't like his stuff back then and I still don't like it now, like his clips, man. Didn't he make thing. this one he released the whole pack of scripted episodes, right? Like he released yeah. the whole thing. He doesn't even script it. Here we go. I remember there was a big deal. I was annoyed at the time when he put it out. I'm like, he didn't even script this. You could tell too. He just fucking put it in virtual dub and used the warp sharp function in virtual dub on it. He didn't even like actually go into depth about it. I mean, 
I've yet to put out episode two, so I've yet to go out in depth about it. But still, like I was looking at that, I'm like, this is just virtual dub warp sharp. This is not even any AVI Iceland shit, really. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I guess around the time that he did bring that out, I think a lot of people were thankful, anyways, because getting a source was just fucking awful. Like, um, I remember there's this one editor that I always like. I think I was a kid. I, I think I was like. 16, 17. I'm 25 now. Uh, there was this guy called the Maxtremist. I don't know if you know him. That doesn't ring a bell at all. He used to edit a lot of One Piece, but for some reason, he always had like the best looking clips and whatever. And I don't know if, I'm not sure if it was him, but I had later then found out that the guy actually buys uh, the DVDs for these animes and burns them onto his, or like, takes it off of the cd and edits them i used to rip dvds too i used to do that i i, I have uh I, all my evangelion i had ripped uh flcl i ripped my dvds that was a thing i remember that yeah i would actually buy a lot of my own footage even though it was available the quality of the ones that are available weren't even that good at the time so you could rip them in better quality yeah nowadays we got like fully cooly on like blu-ray and that's, Most, just a, that's just a nya search away nowadays, though. They like, got so easy. Pretty much, like if if you're if you're someone that wants to edit anime, that's like, for example, stuff that's ongoing. You just go onto horrible subs, and they got you covered. That and, too, even though the horrible subs and codes are just all right, but yeah, yeah. The, you have a lot of options these days. Even like lower quality stuff, like it's still way better than what was some of the best shit. Not even that long ago. I feel like encoding, especially since H two six five it came out, has really yeah. gotten like a lot better for anime stuff. Like the standards have changed a lot. So like we're talking about how uh we're talking as if like back in the day that was like we were hustling trying to get along a video. But it was fun. Like I I, I think at least for myself, I, I had a lot of fun doing it, even though if I were to do it now, I'd be like, Okay, this is too much fucking work trying to get an episode. I guess as a kid, I had this drive that I was like, okay, I want to put out a video. I don't care what I don't care what I have to do type of thing. Yeah, I feel like everyone's like that to a point. And then you either you keep doing that and you stay that way and you just like kind of like not edit for fun, but like that's kind of what you do. Or you like something like clicks one day in your head or something and you're like, maybe I can do something with this, you know? Yeah, like to you. Because obviously you've been doing it up until this point. It's like it has evolved in like how you do it and what you do. And like it's completely changed for you. Like what what was your process from from like from where were you like, okay, I'm going to take this serious now and maybe uh, follow it as like a career choice? It was a single pinnacle point and one specific video. Because I I used to just watch a bunch of AMVs and stuff, and I would just be like, okay, that's fun. He's a fun, like, Soul Eater edit, whatever, you know. Um, I was doing uh, flash whoring stuff at the time, you know, linear blur, Gaussian blur with, like, brightness and contrast on every clip, radial blur. Oh, and yeah. Shit, you know? Yeah, that was a trend as well. That was a big trend. I was part of that. And um, I'm just making betas and stuff at the time, you know. I hadn't really done a full, like, really. Because even though my fulls back in, like, 2007 and eight and stuff were... Uh, just like trash so like it was just like padded folds you know and uh i don't know how i ended up on it but one day on youtube in my related videos was uh amv soups flcl video 
fuck this shit. I'm out of here. And I think uh, I know that one. Yeah, it's aim. It's uh, FLCL Fully Cooley with uh, Motion City soundtracks. Uh, the song is abbreviated as LGFUAD. And I remember watching that, and I was like, it like hit me. I was like, wow, I've never like seen an AMV make me feel something, you know? Yeah. And it was just like it stood out to me, and because it wasn't a bunch of flashes, it wasn't a bunch of like you know gradient maps and like you know plugins and stuff. It was just like raw editing, and it was just scene selection and like stuff and like crossfades. And I was just like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. I was like, I've never had an AMV make me feel something. And then I discovered his channel, went through all those videos. In related videos, there was um, Joey's channel, Arashina Marashi AMV from DZ Studios. And uh, like, there's a whole other world of the a of animemusicvideos.org editors, you know, uh, like JForce321, uh, Benji. Um, there's a lot of people out there and it was just like a totally different community that didn't exist and didn't care about like the YouTube community. There's a big divide, but the anime.org editors took it really seriously or at least yeah. that was reflected in their work to me. And it really like, clicked in my head. And it was also the time in my life when I like, kind of like was kind of like, uh, it was just sort of like an important time in my life, I guess. Uh, like my You're first... deciding on like a career path. Yeah, but in, the, in my personal life, I remember, like, um, I was just, like, I felt like a kid at the time or whatever, because I was, like, 12 or whatever, and, like, my first, like, dumb, like, girlfriend, I, th I was, like, 13 at the time, my girlfriend, like, like, at the time, like, dumped me, and I'm, like, a little kid, I think it's the end of the world, you know, because I oh, hadn't my. been dumped before, and so I go and I make a really edgy YouTube account, and I name an X Hollow Soul and stuff, you know, and, like, I'm just, they're editing, like, edgy Naruto stuff, I'm just, like, literally the edgiest fucking kid imaginable, right? <laughs> and then I come across that video, and I'm, like, what the fuck, like, this is, like, a real video. And from there, I, like, just hard stopped doing effects. I just completely stopped doing effects. And I just went on this big raw editing binge. And I was decrying people for using effects. What are you doing? This and that. I became a huge troll in the community. It was hilarious. Um, and then, like, because I just... Because you are, even till now, known as a raw editor. Yeah, exactly. I'm a raw editor. I use quite a lot of effects in my videos. But I use them in a way that it, it only... Um, just facilitates the thing I'm trying to do with scene selection and pacing. I've still like, I don't know who told me it, but like if you're using, you know, a ton of effects, you're spending a lot of time <clears throat> on a frame. You can spend many hours on a frame and you can try and make that frame look good. You know, like you can do as many after effects comps as you want. You can do twister yeah. to it, RSMB, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing to it. But if it's the wrong frame, then it's worthless, you know? You know, scene selection I, and internal pacing is going to be like always way more important. And then you can then once you make something worth putting effects on, then you can put effects on it. But a lot of people just sort of skip that step in editing, I feel like. You know, this is why I always looked up to the people that would actually do a lot of editing um, with masks or like make videos with just masks because... I never looked at a clip that I thought of masking and I was like, okay, is this really worth it putting in like three to four hours of work so I can put this image on another one? Um, because I was never too confident in like scene selection and stuff like that. Um, and I think because of the lack of trust I had in that, I kind of also, 
like I also started out as a like effect heavy editor, but I now try to stick to raw. Um, but that was more of a choice I made because I was kind of okay. I can't do this stuff anymore. <laughs> I can't copy and paste the same presets anymore. It's too much work. Damn. Dragging Sapphire this, plugins ain't drag, doing dragging it. Dragging this new blue effects S shake or whatever the fuck on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, you went through that transition where you started taking it more seriously. You like discovered this whole community, um, and it was like filled with like-minded people that weren't like uh, just doing it as like a fun thing and whatever. It yeah, was everyone, more like taking everyone, it seriously. Everyone took it really seriously and uh, they put a lot of thought and effort behind their work and sent betas to each other and stuff of videos. But I came around in that time around like 2011, 2012 of that community. And that was kind of the end of that community though. Um, so I, I came in the community after dumping a bunch of my old friends and my old ways of thinking about editing made a bunch of new friends, got a bunch of new ideas about editing, and then they all immediately stopped uploading, basically. Everyone completely died off. That community had completely died off, basically. Damn. Um, yeah. Um, and I felt kind of bitter and weird about that for a long time because I didn't really know what to do because I didn't really have a community anymore. Like I was one of the few people still uploading stuff in that style, so I felt like very alone. And I got kind of like bitter and vindictive about it which is weird because the thing to think about with amvs but like i definitely felt like underappreciated for many years and uh i just i stopped watching other people's amvs like for like three or four years if someone were to send me a link to a video i would watch it other than that i only watched my own work I just you never like on. sought out to look at new stuff or find new people that were editing Nah, man, nothing. If, if it appeared in my sub feed, it was from someone I already knew. I think I was watching Ken Chinoro from Crow's Team, that Jeff. Um, never he would upload something, but if he was, his uploads were few and far between. He was kind of doing a lot of the same thing I was in that time in that, like, we're just kind of, like, isolated. Like, yeah, he was part of Crow's and Nero, but he didn't really give a shit about them, you know? Like, it was just something, like, slapped in. Just like I had been, like, kind of repping NV. That was a really big studio for years, and I wanted to be a part of it. And then by the time it got handed off to me, like there was no one left in it. Like no, no Sam or uh, Beggy or uh, um, you know Ulysses A and B Soup. You know, um, like it'd be in a studio that I've been inspired to be a part of for a long time. And then when it finally got handed to me, it was like, here's nobody. He's it's dead. I'm like, sweet, okay, I'll just wrap it for by myself for a couple of years. That and, was uh, also like, a big thing. Yeah, I got into DZ, too. Joey asked me to join in 2012, I think. And uh, by that time, though, everyone stopped pretty much uploading. Like, I think only Monkey King Ghost had kept uploading after that in Dayton, DZ. You know, Joey put up a couple of videos here and there. But in general, I joined that community after pretty much all of it died. There's nothing on the org anymore. But so I kind of like the... You know, there weren't a lot of other videos for me to watch either. That was the thing, too. So I just focused on my own work and improving that. And I didn't send betas. I didn't beta test for about five years, I think. Like, nothing. I would just make a video and be put out. And if it landed, it landed. If it didn't, it didn't. And uh, until uh, I joined Team Karasu, I think, yeah, that was that was the uh, the last and the most recent studio and it's probably going to be the last one, you know. So, you're going to stick to it. 
Yeah, man. Uh, they are my absolute family, man. I know you had Crimson on here and he's talking about that. And I, yeah, I heard about it, how you guys think of each other. And it, yeah. I've never really heard of a studio that really, um, because I looked at the stuff you guys do and I've uh, listened on the previous podcast of how Crimson, um, how he thinks about it. Like he sounded really dedicated and I've never heard, you know, most people that are in studios together don't even know like uh, each other's real names and stuff. Like they, they don't hang out. They just put each other in a list and then they're like, okay, I guess we're in a studio. But you guys really like do stuff together. Yeah, we take it real seriously. It's like a it's like a real internet family, you know. And like, <clears throat> uh, so it was co-founded with by uh, uh, Kane MDX. That's just the same dude, different names, and he just changed it. I I miss his old name, but he's empty. <laughs> he goes by MTX now. Um, and uh, Funami, and Funami was my last editing student. I met Jamil in like 2013, 2014. And I kind of took him under my wing and stuff at the time. And I wasn't in any studio at the time. I was just still repping NV just by myself. Um, so I taught him a bunch of stuff. And then uh, he started TK in 2000, late 2014, I think, early 2015, I'm pretty sure. Somewhere around then. I remember we were still on Skype at the time. No one, Discord wasn't around yet. I know that much. Um. But they they he they started that. I really didn't pay attention to it because I didn't really know what the hell it was. And it was kind of like a weeby name too. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just some like they got some weeb shit going on here. This is gay. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to be a part of it. And then, um, I think Jamil just added me one day and said, "Hey, you're a part of it." Uh, Funami just added me one day on sketch. That he's a part of it. I'm like, okay, cool. I guess I'm a part of it or whatever. So oh, just like that, no. Uh... There was no vetting process for me. I kind of just, I had the special exception. I got kicked. I've been kicked out of it once when we were back on Skype. I got oh, kicked out. What did you do? Uh, I was posting shemale porn in the chat oh on Skype. <laughs> and uh, and uh, MDX was uh, testing me. He said, you posted again. I'm kicking you. Oh, my God. So, you, you know, of you course, I, I, I can't blink. So, you know, I'm not going to be the one to fucking blink and not post it. So I immediately posted something else and I got kicked. And then refused to rejoin the chat. And I think I just didn't join out of spite just to not do it. And then Jamil just added me back in one day. And been in it since, man. Yeah. Um, but man, they're my family. I'm part owner now. Um, Funami had been uh, stepped down. And uh, it's me, Mars, and MDX. We're all uh, partial owners uh, of it. And it's not and, the uh, only channel you guys are being part of, right? You guys have multiple yeah, channels. We've all got our hands all over the place and all kinds of projects. You know, I'm part of Idle Glance too. I do work with that. I've been, and then multiple things in the community too. Uh, I've been a, in a lot in a lot of recent years, I've been a uh, technical and creative consultant and advisor on a lot of stuff. I've been doing a lot of encoding for people, scripting for people. Here's how you do but, this and that technically. Like I've really like focused on. My, I think people kind of know me for like. Okay, we well, just got to be really high quality. We got to get patent to take care of it, you know. Yeah, so you were you would be like the back end of a lot of stuff that was going on. Um, yeah, man, I'm, with people I, that I'm, needed work done. Yeah, I was like everywhere, man, just you know, all behind the scenes working and doing stuff. So, and I enjoy doing that. I, I prefer to have that rather than just be like the face of something. I prefer to like, no, I'll help out with it and I'll get it going and I'll do this and that. But like, I don't think I have the I have the emotional stamina to like be the face of something. I get and what I have you mean. A, I have enough self-awareness to that. So like you so many times see people take over a big project and have some big public meltdown and then like go AFK for like months. And it's like, 
I feel like I would definitely do that. So I have enough self-awareness to not agree to that beforehand, you know? Like, if I just dip randomly, it's not yeah. going to be as big of a de- deal if, like, the face of something dips, you know? A lot of people would actually do that in the AMV community and then make a comeback video. And they would actually yeah. be like, hey, guys, I'm back. And then you could, you literally, like, notice that they, or, like, they would put out a video. And you're like, okay, they obviously are rusty. And then people would, like, if it was, like, a big personality, and, I mean, with big, I mean, like, 1k subs back in the day was like that was a big deal man that was a really big deal holy shit you know you had um what's that guy called his name is donnie darko remains now i think his name was rock the rhythm neither of those are ringing a bell to me that was like a guy that was like he was really into one piece and bleach editing but he would make like a lot of foals all the time and i think back in the day um his channel got deleted um and then he made another video uh, I think a couple years later, and people just looked at it and they just they, they were just like, "Hey man, what happened?" Blah blah blah. This video sucks, and I'm like, "He hasn't been editing for a while. Um, of course, it's not going to be as good as it used to be." So a lot of people back in the day got discouraged by, um, they first of all felt bad for taking a break, and then they had the fear of coming back. There was like this big social thing going on. Um, I don't know if you know Mishokun. That sounds familiar. He was like glitch dubstep heavy VFX. Um, what year is this? Um, I would say like two twelve to two fourteen ish. That, that's why I stopped watching. So, oh, okay. No. He made a comeback, and people hated on his video so much. He made in his video after that, he made like a call out to the viewers, being like, "Fuck you! I'll do what the fuck I want and shit." It was like a big I, thing back in the day. I think that should be a part of it. I think you should do your own thing regardless of input. But also, I do feel like people need to be more open to genuine, harsh criticism of stuff, you know? Definitely. Like, people know me as like, yeah, I'm going to like rip apart the ads, like my streams and stuff, you know? I'm going to do judging. Oh, shit. yeah, I've like, seen I just, those. I sit there and I pick it apart frame by frame, you know? Um, But I feel like, you know, if... That's how it was back then. Like when people would send betas to each other and beta test, especially with when I, when the AMV community people, they would rip your shit apart. You should see some of the posts on the forums there. When people upload a video, you would get fucking destroyed if there was some weird glitch for a half second in your video. You'd be like, that's it. You're fucked up, you know? A big um, thing was people uh, exporting videos with a different frame rate than the actual project. So you would see like a millisecond of an episode that shouldn't be there. It had a ghost thing, yeah. It was like frame yeah. sampling. It was like fucked up, uh, or like not disabling resample when they like sped oh, something up. Yeah, it'd be yeah. like yeah, yeah. But uh, I thrived on that, you know, like really brutal criticism because it forced me to like, okay, if they're gonna rip my video to shreds. I gotta make something really, really good because I don't want to be told I'm shit. So, you know. And it was good, legitimate criticism, too. It wasn't just like, wow, this is shit because you're using this song. Like, no, they would go through just like I did, and they'd pick it apart frame by frame, what the change, you know? Yeah. But it got to the point where I'm editing with that in mind. So by the time it got to the point where I'm beta testing stuff, knowing it would be ripped to shreds if it wasn't, you know, perfect, uh, you know, I edited, I guess, very differently or cautiously with that in mind. But I enjoyed it. The end result, I'd say, is always the most important part. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, there, I don't know. 
there's two kinds of people that whenever they finish a video, they either upload it and never look at it or like kind of forget about it because they don't want to go back and look and be like, oh, okay, there's this one part I fucked up, but I can't change it now. Or there's those people that keep rewatching their video because they're just really satisfied with the end result. Yeah, I'd say that too. Yeah, there's people just upload it and just forget it. And people who like, it's like a big deal. It's a release, you know? Yeah, which one are you? The upload, forget it type? Um, Yeah, I have to say I'm upload and forget it, but that's like unintentional, I guess. Like, because I'm generally like, once I finish something, I just get out of the headspace of the video, you know? Like, it's up there. I just spent hours scripting it and doing this and doing an encode on it and stuff. And it's like, all right, I'm done with that, you know? And I want to go back to it. I'm out of my headspace for that release. I'm happy for it, but, you know, I got other stuff I'm cooking up already generally, you know. So it's like, okay, cool. We'll do the video. All right. What's the next one? All right. So um, if we step back and we talk about, like, uh, we, we talk about personal life, if you want. Yeah, sure. So um, what is, like the things you are doing right now to be able to like uh, make a living or like pay the bills, like, are you doing creative work? Are you in like the creative sector? I do creative work. It doesn't pay the bills though. Um, eventually that'd be nice to try and get that to where uh, it could does pay the bills full time. But right now I am the uh, front of house manager at a restaurant. Okay. That actually doesn't sound like that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I I've always, I've uh, I've always kind of had uh, manager positions kind of early on in my life. I worked at a hotel; that was my first job, um, and I worked my way up there just because people kept leaving. So, like, I became like slowly like the most qualified person there, just because I'd been there the longest. Was um, it more was because you like because a lot of places uh, have that same stuff, but it's like because you can kind of like get through the bullshit without being like "fuck it, I'm leaving" type thing. Well. Well, I like being in charge of things, and I'm generally good at it, too. I'm good at organizing people and telling them what to do. I was in um, Boy Scouts as a kid, and I was the patrol leader. And uh, so I had to, like, organize all kinds of shit when we go camping and shit like that. Like, so I got used to, like, running a crew of people, like, pretty early on as a kid. And that translated over to, like, when I started working and stuff. Um, Even now to uh, you being part of the head of Karasu. Exactly, yeah. Like, I know how to, like deal and it kind of like scales as you as you get older it's 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 a lot of the same stuff but it's different too but you can apply a lot of the same uh ways of running people but then again it doesn't you know team cars you kind of like it runs itself you know like people do come and go we do get new members um there is a heavy vetting process but it's not really skill-based we're not looking for any more editors ever and we haven't been for years now it hasn't been wow your editing is so insane dude we need you in here it's almost it's almost never really been about that either we just kind of use that as like a part of the vetting process sometimes you know crimson fits in as one of the most recent members that stands out to everyone he does Um, yeah his editing was dog shit uh when we first met him i remember i tore his video apart in jt5 his testing entry with Naruto, it was horrific. It was do- garbage, dude. And uh, I hope he's listening. Yeah, he will be. Hi, Crimson. Dude, that video was AIDS, man. Anyway, <laughs> um, but uh, 
technical difficulties on Annie's end. I love calling him Annie. Yo, I remember, I, I completely forgot NH was uh, part of the costume for a time. Oh, my God. Yo, that's going way back, though. <laughs> um, Yeah, though. Uh, It kind of runs itself. It doesn't really, like, you know, but we are, like, it's it's not really a studio, you know, that has to be run. It is, it's an internet family. It's an artist collective. Um. I forgot what you were even talking about, but uh, I love Team Karasu. Crimson's video was terrible. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Crimson's video was terrible. It was garbage. Yeah, yeah. And over the next couple of months, we kind of like, like I got to know him really well because I knew like we had still done like the vetting process of like having like trial members at the time. And uh, so I wanted to get real involved with that of like, okay, who the hell is coming? Who wants to be a part of this, you know? So I started talking with him real heavy. On uh, on Discord, going over stuff, talking about editing in general, how like you know, giving him like sort of like I guess kind of teaching him like as a student, but I still consider Jamil to be my last editing student. But a lot of it's walking through, explaining like the mindset of editing to people rather than like technical stuff, like you know, technical shit they can learn from like a YouTube video, like how to do this Twixter thing or whatever. You know, they don't need to know. I don't need to tell yeah. them that. But the mindset yeah, of like motivations behind editing, that's what I feel like most people probably still need to learn. I would apply that same logic to, um, for example, we had an intern the other day at work. Um, like I, I work at an agency and we do ads and we do get um, interns every now and then. And they're very confident in their knowledge about software or whatever. But... For example, there was this one kid that was really confident in his knowledge for DaVinci Resolve for color coding. And I was like, okay, well, give it a go. And um, I told him it looked like absolute dog shit um, because you know the kid didn't have any, like he doesn't know stuff. He doesn't know anything about like color theory. And you don't get that by uh, knowing how a program works and then just like maybe playing around with it for like a long ass time. But there's actual like whole courses like books, it like anything a that like there's a lot of stuff that you can learn about color theory that is not in the software. And um I think people, especially in the community, you have for example people that make videos that hit every beat or like have to make a cut on every beat because they don't yeah, know. Hard better. hard sinking, yeah. Yeah. Some people do it really well. I really like uh Corey's videos. Oh my god. Okay, we might have mixed opinions. I just really like his flow. And I like... Um, what flow? Uh, uh, come on, man. <laughs> I want to have... I want to do... I want to host Corey's episode just so I can kick his fucking ass. We might... We might... We might get that... Uh, we might get that done, but... Coming for anyway. you, Corey. Coming for you! I kind of want to talk about the whole uh, like the personal life stuff again because a lot of people um, have this misconception that like you have done professional work in like video, right? Like you have done some projects or some things um, for people um, that probably don't even know how to like cut a video themselves, but like customers like that. Yeah, I've done a lot of local work for people like around town, like who want like an ad for like their small business. A lot of it's kind of cringe because like they shoot it themselves, like, hey, I did this thing or whatever. And like, like I just I just do the editing work on it, or like I'll make like website logos and like stuff like that for people. 
Um, but, but like uh, you also notice how in general there's this misconception that um, you got to be like really well educated on this stuff. And then when you look at what has to be done or what people want, and like 90% is like people that know how to edit videos, like the bar is so low for like advertising work. You don't need to know much to actually get into that business. Well, even if it's a shitty business, I feel like yes and no with that. You know, you don't need to be like academically well versed to be able to do it. You just need to be able to like, you know, prove it with your portfolio. But at the same time, there's a lot of people I see doing work for a lot of people who probably shouldn't be. Um, Like for a long time, the YouTube channel Trash had some really nice artists, musicians on there, and they have absolutely no standards. They had no standards for a long time. Like, you know, they'd get an XXXTentacion video and it would get, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of views even before he died. And it was just the biggest fucking piece of shit in the world. It was just AIDS, man. And um, on the other end, they uploaded like Smart Death music videos, which were actually shot and edited well. But so, you know, like professionally, like with red cameras and stuff like that, you know, and like there's like a, a middle ground with that. But what people don't keep in mind, I suppose, is that no matter what client work you do, no matter how small, you're still like that's going to be part of your public portfolio, whether you want it to be or not. So, yeah, a lot of what I've done is with that in mind, too. Like I've always like even when I started did like really young work when I was like a freelancer, like when I was like even like 15 or something, I started doing work for people. I even kept that in mind then because I'm like, I knew like it's going to be like, even if no one finds it, no one comes across it. Like even if my name's not on it, like it's something that I've done that I've put my like seal of approval on, you know, even for projects that I felt were bullshit and I had to just like grind it out. It's still like, it has to be good enough for me. You know, the customer doesn't know shit. He's stupid. got no standards, but it has to be good enough for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't have high enough standards for themselves to for that to reflect in a lot of their work and that's that's what i feel like is pretty prevalent these days because it's so easy to get your hands on a program but not actually know what you're doing like that intern you know yeah like um because i did i like i did go to film school um and back then the study that i was doing was called av specialist so you got to learn everything from audio, video, photo, like working in a studio. And um, I can say like for those two years that I was in that school, I didn't learn a single, like I didn't learn a single new thing. I was rather taught how to do things I already knew in a different way. And I was kind of like, I don't need to know that stuff. Um, And I dropped out of film school uh, and I started working at like McDonald's or something like I, I think I probably worked at a McDonald's for like a year, um, but ended up working for an agency in another country now, like doing advertisements. And when I um, I do still see people say like, oh, yeah, I want to be able to do something creative, but I uh, there's this university where I can learn how to do film and stuff. Like I can say for a fact, most people we have at work that are working in our company right now uh, haven't necessarily studied, like neither have I. Um, or I've dropped out at least. Um, and literally all of that has come from trying to keep up with like AMV stuff, learning how to do stuff properly, learn how to cut and like do scene selection and whatever. 
you can apply that same stuff to like a legit music video. That's what a lot of times I'm brought on for, you know, it's like uh, creative consulting and technical advisement with like music videos and things like that. And it, I didn't have any experience starting out in music videos like that. I just started doing AMVs, but it, if you're doing it right, the editing principles all carry over. Um, there's this dude from AMV org, a really, really old head, like editing in like 2003 and stuff. Um, Julian Milo known as Beowulf online. Um, he got his uh, editing career professionally started because he made a 25-minute um, AMV and known as Story of the Antichrist. It's kind of like a famous AMV. Um, I think I know that one. It's like a, like a bunch of Marilyn Manson songs and stuff, and it's like Berserk and like Fist of the North Star, like really old anime and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. he would submit that like as his portfolio uh, to places, and he got to start doing that. But... You know, I think he did that in 2005 or something, but he had been editing for years up until that point, making fulls, doing it properly. Like, like you said, you talk about um, like Corey's hard sinking, yeah. uh, you know, not to just shit on Corey specifically because he's a bit of a meme at this point in the community, but like most people do it. Yeah, but I that's exactly sort of what I was doing, too, before I felt like I actually started improving as an editor. Like if I saw a spike on a waveform, I'm like, OK, I do a flash here or a cut here. Or I do a big blur here, you know? Yeah, the, you, the audio waveform would be like a preset. Exactly. Where you can put down your markers. Exactly. And I tell people all the time who come to me, you know, how do I get better? It's like, ignore the waveform. Ignore, it's meaningless. The waveform is absolutely meaningless. Um, you know, internal sync and scene selection, you know, it's always going to be the most important aspect of it is doing it creatively. If it's just hard sync, and I've said this in all my editing streams of when I'm judging people's streams is... If you're hard syncing to every beat, once I've watched five seconds of it, I've watched the entire video. So I know it's going to happen. Because you know happen. what's coming. Like generally yeah. I've heard the song already, or if I'm not, I hear the tempo of it. I know you're going to cut it on every fucking snare or whatever, you know, like that's it. I've seen the whole video. It doesn't matter, especially if it's a source that everyone's already seen too. It's yeah. like this video is pointless. It's just pointless. But if so, you... Oh, go yep. ahead. No, I wanted to bring up another example, but uh, I'll I'll tell you after. Okay, but like, you know, if you learn to be creative with just cutting, just hard cuts, you know, not even crossfades or anything else. Like I tell people, just do, just make long videos. I don't really have any students anymore, but I tell people like just a big like sort of like general. Here's what there's something you can do that will improve your editing. It's just make long videos and only use hard cuts to do it. And then just repeat that and keep making them and just keep doing that for like a year, basically. Like it's your training arc, you know? It's your training arc, like in your anime, just like, just like Deku and fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's a training arc, bro. Just do that for a year. Um, that will improve a lot of people's editing because then you can go and take effects and you have something that's worth starting to put effects on, you know? You know, this is why the people, um, because there's this big, uh, big divide between Vegas, like people that started editing in Vegas and then people that just straight went into After Effects and then later used Premiere. It's like, even in uh, a professional workflow, it's like, it's very important that before you start using any type of effects on your video, you lay down like the groundwork, you lay down yeah. like what you want done 
and then you import it into After Effects. That's why it's called the exactly. that you actually it, apply it, it, all that it, shit. It's post effects, man. Like it's post effects for a reason. Like yeah, your edit's done. Now you're touching it up, making it look nice. You're doing something you couldn't do with just cutting. You know, like um, I rarely use After Effects for stuff. I went to Premiere back in 2014. I switched. I was like one of the first like Premiere editors, as far as I know. I know some people out there who do it now. Still, there's only a couple, but I know at that time there was like three other people who were like were Premiere mains. And back then Premiere was really shitty, but it's it's just a really nice, it's a way nicer version of Vegas. Uh, basically. A lot more stable. A lot of people are scared of Premiere for some reason. And I'm like, literally just transfer your binds from Vegas over. Like, just change the, the Razor tool key to S in Premiere. And it's literally, yeah. Vegas. it's literally Vegas, but it's way better. You know? Yeah, something, uh, something DaVinci Resolve did is before you install it, they ask you what software you are familiar with and then change the layout according to that software. So if you're say you're familiar with Premiere, DaVinci Resolve is going to look like Premiere. I wish Premiere did that for Vegas, that they had some sort of preset. But even if there's not a preset like that, you can literally do anything with the windows. Yeah, like you can you can make it look like Vegas. Speaking of that, yeah. though, you remember people who used Vegas and they would like put the preview on the bottom? Uh, wasn't I've Vegas... I've seen uh, th- I've seen that with like three people. I was always horrified when they send me a screenshot. So like, oh man, I, <laughs> I don't know if people still have that, but you would see Vegas with like a different color palette. It would like yeah, be pink yeah, with you, black you, buttons. You, 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 I know genetics does that. Uh, he like fucking changes the color scheme on Windows to do that. You Dude, can't I look at that software. stuff. It's horrific. It looks horrible. I'm sorry, guys, but it looks horrible. It's like people I, who, I like, like it completely black. For it's some like reason. it's like people who edit with the uh, music on the top. Oh, oh the the, 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 top, the audio on top, layer on the audio layer. Oh of man, timeline. It's like oh God. no, no. What are you doing? It's horrific. There's a reason Premiere fucking uh, divided those things. Yes, so the audio doesn't go on top. <laughs> it looks horrible. Um. It's... Oh, you know what the you know what the worst was, and yeah. I know you. I know you're gonna relate to this or like relate to seeing this so you know before people found out what markers were they used to cut they used to actually cut the audio wave like the audio form, yeah but we, but vegas you could hear it vegas yeah because vegas would do like a half like a frame's worth of like faded fade. out yeah yes. like, an auto, like, an, like an auto cross fade and so it would just fuck it up. I God, dude, you used to be able to hear it so many times. You'd be watching a video and you could hear them cutting the audio with it. It was horrific. Because it'd just be like a second of just like, but it'd be like a shit ton in a row. It was awful. People who did that. Dude, the amount of Il Nino, I Am Loco. Oh AMB. my God, that song. Holy shit. I Am Loco. How many cuts I heard during that song. It's like, like I I legit thought I had like, something wrong with my brain that I, I have heard this song so often that my brain was just chipping parts away. But people have just been cutting the audio. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid because um, they either didn't notice it or they uh, just didn't care at all. Like back then it was kind of like, I don't know, like the Wild West type shit. <laughs> people were like, yeah. no, good enough, that- I'll upload it. No, even back then, man, I was calling people out. It was like 2010. I'm calling people out for that shit. I'm like, at least just like if you cut the audio, just delete the audio track and re-import the song. Like, just do that at least at the end, right before you render. Like, no, that's too much work. 
I'm like, then die. And it's just like, it's terrible, man. I was calling oh. people out from the start for doing that. Like, it's not hard. It's not hard to not fuck that up. It's not hard. What about people doing MEPs? Oh, God. <laughs> you know where this is going? They send can- their parts and the guy that assembles the MEP doesn't make a new track for the audio. He assembles all individual tracks with their own audio. I mean, at that point, the general kind of MEPs where the people participating are doing that isn't worth watching and it's anyway, and it's already ruined from the start. So yep. luckily, luckily that doesn't really matter. But yeah, that's that's annoying too. I, I always like doing collabs or um or MEPs and stuff is never posting who did what part. Oh, you don't do that? I don't I hate doing that. I always hated doing that because I felt like it always ruined the video as a whole. I know? do that because I like I made an MEP a couple years ago and I did that because uh just because out of respect for the people participating, I think they just wanted their name in the video. But I think yeah, you yeah, talk like, about like, that before you release it. Yeah, like I list I list who did who did the parts, but I always put it out of order intentionally and I always Oh, put, okay. I always put parts not listed in order. Like it's not an uncredited MEP or an uncredited collab. But okay, it's, I never, it's, it never, it's the people put like markers, like timestamp markers, you know, like first 30 seconds is this guy, 30 seconds to a minute was this dude. Like I hate when people do that. It ruins the video as a whole. People are like, well, uh, people want to know who did what part. It's like if you're a real fan of the work and you really yeah. give a shit of who did what part anyway, you can tell just by watching it. Oh, you know those it's MEPs where they put easy. the name in the video? Yeah, like it's like a watermark. It's like, oh, God. It's like at the bottom. They have like their own logos with like Ichigo hollow mask and stuff. It's like. I just can't believe there's there's still like there's MEPs where people still just like have like it's like just a bunch of like 20 second betas and they're all like different anime or they're the same anime. It's like 40 parts. It's like 40 parts. It's just like it's just a big like scrap pile, literally, which is like fine as its own thing. But it's a terrible MEP, you know. Pick one really good song and everyone just edits a little part of it. Or everyone edits a bunch of foals. Like some of my favorite MEPs are like 25 minutes long. Like because it's literally everyone just doing a full video and it's the same theme. Like Halloween maps, you know. The Looking forward to the annual DZ Halloween MEP was a really big deal, you know, way back in the day. And it'd be, But it'd be like a 25 minute MEP. Like, uh, and I had like... like- one of the last ones I was a part of, I was part of the last one actually, the 2014 Halloween MEP, and uh, Chameleon 808 uh, did the intro, and that was pretty tight. But uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He did the Apple Tree edit? You ever heard of him? Uh, I don't think so. You've probably seen it, but it's not ringing probably. a bell. He, yeah, he didn't do a whole lot after that, but he was in DZ as an editor for a while, but. Um, that's a 20 minute MEP and it still has some of the best work I've seen. You know, there's a 40 minute MEP dedicated to an old member of DZ who died. And, uh, like those have some of the best work in it and they're kind of, they're still really coherent, you know, like some, even like one person's part will be like eight minutes. My part for that is a whole quarter of that 20 minute thing, you know, like I had a five minute part for the MEP. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, making the video a coherent whole is the most important thing. You know, if you have people in there who are clashing, their styles don't complement in a way, even with contrast, you know, that, that, that complement each other, it's pointless. And yeah, it's fun, I guess, as a project, but it's 
comes out with a shitty video. So it's fun, but it's not fun to watch. Something yeah. that stood out to me from what Crimson said about uh, MEPs was that you guys don't pressure on deadlines. Yeah, we don't. Because first off, whenever anyone, if anyone watching this will know, if you put a deadline on an MEP, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. You know, you'll have you'll have like 10 people doing an MEP. You'll set a deadline two months out to give everyone plenty of time, right? Now, nah, two months will roll by and five people out of it will, will even have started and two people have like had like scraps and you get like two two parts that are actually done or something you know like it doesn't matter when it's done it's done when it's ready it's ready like um our favorite my favorite map we've done i think within two now was um legend and i organized everything with that i was sort of the, i said like the creative director for the project but i think we finished all of our parts for that in like a week or two I'm pretty sure, like two weeks or something. Yeah, maybe maybe a bit longer. But I ended up doing two parts in it to patch it because someone like couldn't do part of it or something. I don't know. But like that's coherent video. I didn't credit people. Not credit people. I didn't like timestamp it intentionally. Um, and then I do for a lot of people's projects too. I'm brought on as the color correction guy, like the color grading guy for stuff. You know, like the effects guy. Like I do the same stuff on everyone's parts. To make it all blend together, you know, I do the seams between parts and stuff like that. Like I, I fix it up and generally, then I do the encode and scripting and whatnot, you know, for it yeah. to make it as coherent as possible. So when you're watching it, it just it's going. It's not a big bunch of broken up parts. It's just it's one coherent piece, you know. So, um, uh, what did I want to say again? <laughs> Still doing better than Carl. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carl. I don't even. Not, I don't even know him that much. I'm, I'm not sorry, Carl. I'm sorry, Carl. But um, I wanted to transition into this topic, um, which brings me back to the last time we spoke, um, which wasn't eight years ago. It was like last year during a stream. Okay. All right. So you probably don't remember this, but. Um, you know TM. I love TM. Yeah. Shout out to TM. <laughs> Shout out to TM. You're such a sweetheart, bro. I love you. I, I still talk to that guy almost every day. He uh he visited me last year, you know, like uh he's still he's still part of like this uh, friend group that I talk to daily. And he about a year ago told me that you were streaming, you know, Patton was streaming, he told me. And I remembered you from like seven, eight years ago. So I was like, oh, shit, I got to find this out. And um, I get on your stream and I notice you look different. <laughs> you want to talk about it? No, nah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, you're my friend. You were bald. <laughs> you had shaved your head. I was buzzing my head at the time. I buzzed my head for like a year almost. It looked really dope, I have to say. Yeah, I pulled, off, I pulled off well. Um. When I was in high school, I was listening to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins. So, you know, the lead singer of that band, Billy Corgan, who I related to on a creative level, too. Um, he shaved his head. That was his look, you know, or is his look still. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go see what I can do if I could, like, pull off the shaved head look. Because I had, like, cut my hair pretty short before. And it's just like, whatever. So I'm like, fuck, I'm just buzz my head and see what happens. So you didn't care um, about it at all? Because I know that I would be very hesitant to actually do that 
Yeah, and you everyone should be like unless you're going through some weird breakup and you just buzz your head to be empowered, like, you know, don't do it really. Just keep go shorter and see how it works a little bit and then go full on, but I feel like I did the the buzz head thing pretty well. Um that was also after I didn't cut my hair for like 3 years. So when you saw me on stream, I hadn't cut my hair for like 3 years and then I buzzed my head one day. So I went from having really long hair past my shoulders to like no hair at all because I it feel like I'm felt, yeah I'm I'm kind of a person of extremes and a lot of people couldn't know that by now but uh I feel like if you're gonna do something anything you do it all the way or you don't do it at all you know and a lot of what I do in my personal life my workflow and ethic and stuff reflects that too and it's a good thing and a bad thing uh but I feel like if what's the point of doing anything in moderation for the most part yeah um so I either want all the hair or I want none of it. So in high school, I buzzed my head once and then that was okay. And I let it go. Let it grow out a little bit. Um, I was doing a disconnected undercut for a while. Then I grew my hair out for like three years. Didn't cut my hair at all. I had really long hair. Uh, and then I got a new job where you couldn't have long hair oh, at, at that place. Yeah, that was part of the dress code. You couldn't have men couldn't have super long hair. So I'm like... I don't want to do anything in between. So like, fuck this. So I just buzzed my head again. I did that for like a year, like nine months. I was at that place. And, uh, and I left that place and I haven't cut my hair since leaving that place. So I haven't cut my hair in a little over a year now. So I'm back to having so some it's long pretty hair long again. again. Yeah. That must've felt pretty freeing though. I know people that buzz their heads are like, they have less stuff to deal with in the morning, for example. Yeah. I and mean, it's kind of the same with like, growing my hair out too like i just stopped cutting my hair i don't do anything with it i don't get in management like haircuts to like keep it like tame. like i just i let it go i don't do it i haven't had a haircut now it's even when i was buzzing my head i just did it myself i just like i'd wake up like i just buzz my head i do that once like every like four days or something you know yeah um and that'd be it uh i was just like it was nice having a low maintenance thing too. I was just like lazy. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll just do this real quick anyway. Plus I'm not paying a shit ton of money for a haircut all the time. I have to worry about managing it and putting gel in and this and that. And it's like, nah, like being now, presentable. Exactly. And now my hair is fine to the point where I just like, I just tie it back and it's just like, that's it. That's, that's it. Easy. Nice. Like lazy. Like I don't have to like fuck with it don't for a while there. For a while there, like weird, like in between stage where it's not short, but it's not long, but you can't pull it back. It's just like, ah, I had like gel it all weird and shit. And it was just irritating. But yeah. Yeah. But that was the old meme from my, for my stream was like, you know, the bald jokes and shit. So now, um, I'm actually going to start streaming again because I, I took a bit of a break from that for a while to try and get some stuff together in my life. Um, yeah, like how how did you actually get into streaming? Like I didn't know you were actually streaming until TM had told me. Yeah, I had been trying to stream. I like even like built like a recording studio basically. For I saw it, that, yeah. Specifically. Um, learned about broadcast stuff, you know, uh, audio interfaces, stuff like that. I learned a lot about audio that year, which is nice. Um, but uh. And I wanted to get into it to try something sort of like just new. Like I'd always done a bunch of creative stuff and I've done almost everything else up until that point. So I'm like, okay, let me try this out now. Let me see how this goes. Um, you know, the, the aspect of, of talking to people in the chat while it was going, I'd been a part of some streams and I'd watched some streams, some streamers. I'd streamed in the past, like in 2012 um, for a little bit, but I never pursued it. 
Um, so I wanted to try and give them a shot and really see what I could do with it, bringing my editing expertise over into it. And I did that for, I think, almost a year I was streaming. I streamed pretty much almost every day from February 2018 till December 2018. How did that go? Like Streaming um, every day for a year, you probably learn a couple of things about like not only the stream, but about yourself, because a lot of people say that it's very stressing that they have to put on a face every time they're online. And when they do it every day, it kind of feels like they, they got like this, some sort of identity crisis, like getting like um, a bit mentally tired of yeah, the, not being pe themselves. People have an online persona and a, and a, and a real life person. And a lot of people are really good at keeping that separated. And it's really good for some people to keep that separated. For others, um, they're sort of exactly the same person as they are. And for a long time, I was different people. I was exactly someone in real life, and I was exactly someone else online. Um, Did that? I feel, like, I feel like I've definitely bridged that gap a lot, especially in the last year. Like, I'm very much... People think, oh, like, this guy's a fucking dickhead troll who, like, does this wild shit and talks shit or whatever, and it's, like, kind of crazy or whatever. But he would never say this to my face in real life. And, I think that's funny that yeah. people actually say that. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm like, no, I'm kind of exactly this person in real life. And I am, you know, like over the last, God, this last year of my life has definitely been the craziest year of my life. Um, and I've definitely grown the most as a person from it. Just because, God, it's just been insane. But streaming every day, yeah, you do learn a lot from, you know, I do like, I would do it a minimum of four hours. Most, most days I would do at least seven or eight, though. Um That's a you long learn, time. You learn a lot, yeah. Um, it was fun. I have a great following. When I announced people, I was going to start doing it again. You know, pretty much almost everyone who were part of like the main clique that I saw every day immediately came back and were excited for it, which is pretty crazy. You can take a, a like a year off from interacting with them, then you say you're going to do it again, and everyone jumps back on board and is ready for it. So that's that's pretty amazing, honestly. That's pretty um, cool. Like uh, that, you actually have like a a community that you kind of built up that still supports you even after this time. Yeah. It's, it's really encouraging. Um, it's nice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to keep it in check this time though. I'm not going to be doing anything full time. It was really stressful at the time because I had a really bad job and I wasn't making a lot of money because I wanted to pursue creative stuff for like a year and see how hard I could go into that. And streaming was part of that, but I wasn't making the right moves to make it a, sustainable thing for me at the same time so mm. all those things sort of along with other stresses in my personal life at the time everything kind of like came together to be too much and i had to like step back from that and reevaluate things and there's a lot of time that people will spend not just me but in general if you're not careful in making the internet something financially sustainable for you at least financially then you could pass up a lot of things in your life and up neglecting a lot of things IRL uh, if you're not careful it'll it'll pass you by because time flies man like I remember 2010 I'm going back I can I've been talking this whole time about a bunch of old head stuff you know and I feel like it was yesterday and right now as it is we're what is it 27 days till 2020 yeah you know man. like a decade you could, you'll, like I'm gonna blink and I'll be 30 and It hit me one day that that's sort of like a realization that like, like 
I'm going to be like 25 soon. I'm going to be like 30 soon. I'm going to be like 35 soon. You know, it's like, because like 2015 was like two weeks ago, you know? It's like shit just flies by. And if you aren't making the right moves online, you aren't blowing up and making it a financial thing, that's not always a bad thing to step back, reevaluate things, and get your life together. I'm in so much of a better position now because I took that step to step back than if I just kept going and producing low quality content and getting burnt out. Yeah. You know, you know like yeah. I have a really nice paying job. I have a new car, I have my own house. You know, like I've I've secured myself in a position now where when I do pursue creative things, I have a nice personal safety net to fall back onto. You know, financial needs are always met. You know, I'm not stressing about bills or like all kinds of stuff. You know, that was a big thing for me back then. Um, but uh, and it allows you to focus and make higher quality content. But if you're blinded by like, yeah, just pursue your dreams. Fuck it, bro. Like. You know, there's a lot of blind encouragement. That, that is but, really 50-50. That's yeah, like, there's, there's a lot of blind encouragement, but not a lot of direction with that, you know. And the steps to pursuing your dreams might be to take a step back. Um, there was something that my uh, great-grandfather said to uh, said to my dad that really stuck with me that he told me. And it's kind of been like a personal motivation for me for many years. Um and that's well my my dad's upbringing was like pretty rough his parents his dad was kind of a piece of shit and like really didn't like approve of anything he did like anytime he had an idea he'd be like that's retarded why would you do that blah blah this and that you know so he had like mm-hmm. no encouragement except for his uh his grandfather and um one thing that his grandfather told him that he told me was um if you never risk anything you'll never lose anything which you'll never have any more than you have right now. And that's like been like ingrained in my head. I was like, damn, that's some like real shit. And that's my great mantra right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. my great grandfather is a multimillionaire. So like he has the financial credibility to back that statement like that up. Um, but, you know, that's something that my dad has lived his life by and looking at him and what he's done. It's uh, it works out for you, you know, but his path has been kind of the same as mine. It's like, it's all over the place. It's taking steps back here and there for years, but in the right way, you know? Um, yeah. Because stuff like this, I, I feel like when people, um, I remember being 20 at a school and being in like this, this youth group type of thing where we talk about our problems. Cause I was like uh, troubled. Yeah. And um, I, I remember one of my fears that I listed that, that my teacher thought was kind of weird that I was 20, but I felt like I had already filled doing what I wanted to do at that age. And what she said was like, yeah, but you're so young. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not an editor. I don't have a job. Uh, school's going bad. Like my life fucking sucks right now. Um, and I'm like, I'm 25 right now. And I, I, and I have all that now by going through like an extremely rocky road. Like I did some really shitty work to uh, land the job that I have now. Um, but a lot of people get very discouraged, like get discouraged very easily, I'd say, by these inconveniences that actually may be signs, like you said, like take a step back, like relax, take your yeah. time type thing. 
like the alluring story of yeah i'm gonna be a, an artist i'll move to la and i don't care if i gotta live in a fucking dump with 15 other dudes and be starving every day but i'm gonna be making art and it'll pay off like those oh, are all man. really nice stories and some of my biggest inspirations and uh you know are people who did that but for every Post one Malone. of those for every one of those you know rick owens stuff like that you know he's one of my biggest motivations to inspirations creatively but neil young uh but like yeah, for every one of those stories, there's a thousand more that end up shitty. You know, like, mm-hmm. and there's something they wrong never talk with taking about the ones that safe for actually, No one hears about that. That the dudes who go out there and risk it all and fucking fail and don't exactly because if you don't learn something from that, if you can't see that it's not working out and reevaluate things and do something differently, then you're going to just burn yourself out creatively. Um, you know, there's not going to be a big break where it blows up because you're not going to be in the right headspace to make the work and then to act right once it does start going for you, you know, to actually take advantage of the things given to you, even in that moment. And there's even more of those stories, you know, people who do blow up and two years later, they're either literally dead or creatively dead publicly. Um, yeah, like I, I think a big personality was Lil Peep. Exactly. It's a very good example, you know, like yeah. someone who got definitely like taken very troubled advan- kid. Got taken advantage of uh creatively, I feel like too. Um I don't know if you've watched the uh, documentary about him yet, but I haven't yet, but I probably will soon. But yeah. It's really that shitty. Was some sad stuff, and, it, man. and it paints a, the documentary paints Goth Boy Click as being like a bad influence on him and if you know anything about what actually happened and transpired between everyone who was actually there, you'll know it was almost entirely his management, which was the cause of his death. Damn. Um, and uh, his mom's suing them right now, his management for that. Um, but, it, you know, that happened back in 2017. It's 2019, almost 20, 2020 now. And um, that's not an uncommon thing, you know. Once, once, once you do get to the point where you're going up, you know, Everyone wants a piece that you're part of. And if you're not going to keep the right people around, if you're not ready to be in that kind of headspace, even if you think you are, it'll swallow you up. You know, even if it's an accidental overdose on fentanyl, the amount of fucking Zans he was doing up until that point was crazy because of the fact that management was getting him all that stuff and pushing him out on stage all the time. I don't know if you know, part of the reason he was taking some of that shit on uh, Instagram Live was the insurance would cover the show because he didn't want to perform because it was like the fucking 20th show like or something like he had done like every night or whatever or something as part of that management's tour. And uh, they said if you just take a bunch of drugs, the insurance will cover it because they'll see like, yeah, you can't go oh on stage because that, yeah, that was part of exactly stuff like that. Um but that scales to all levels, you know. That as is silly like as, as silly as it is being an AMV editor talking about that kind of stuff. It's like it scales in general, professionals, people who want to do creative stuff professionally. It's like you have to know how to maneuver your way there. And it's not always a straight line. And pretty much everything you do in life is never going to be a straight line. So if you're always looking for that, you're probably not going to find it. And you're going to be wasting years trying to find it yeah like um that the stuff that i've been doing for the past three years included um like i said like working at a mcdonald's 
which which barely got me uh, because because I was living with my parents. Um, but I will say, like before I go into this, like I made very risky decisions that ended up being good decisions because I kind of like powered through them. So I'd went from like I was living in the Netherlands or like born and raised Netherlands. I have Turkish parents, like very strict parents. And I was at, at some point, I'm just working at this fucking McDonald's. I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Um, and I moved to Germany, um, which is like right next to it. Uh, at, and, you know, I was here with my girlfriend and I worked in like a factory. Uh, I didn't know the language. I didn't know anyone. I just knew my girlfriend and I worked at a factory for like two years and it was very... Like if it fuck with my head, I can definitely say that because I was like, I know who I am, I know what I am capable of, but here I am packing some boxes. Um but throughout that entire throughout those two years, I learned the language. I applied for agencies, I did small jobs for them for free. Like that's definitely a big thing why I got this job. I did a lot a lot of shit for free. And then once I got the hang of the language, I um applied for an agency. That the the one I'm working at now, and I probably stalked them for like three months <laughs> <laughs> until they fucking took me because, like, I I can see now like my boss is someone who really avoids like new people. He's kind of like our company's good, but we we need someone, but we're not sure. And I was like, yo, fucking take me, man. And now I got a position there, but that took like fucking three years of uh, just hell to get there, which was very risky, you know. Yeah, you don't really. Uh, I don't really recommend it, but if you are on that rocky road right now, like definitely don't like don't give up. Honestly, don't give up. Don't give up, but don't lose perspective. Yeah. Um, During those three years, like, like for myself, like I can really say that I kind of at some points I was like I didn't really know who I was anymore. Like I really got. Um, because I'm around people that don't speak my language and I don't speak theirs. It's like, you're really just alone there with yourself. Um, and with a lot of creative people that are, for example, not necessarily, um, in an area where they don't speak with others, but where they are in their own head with their own ideas and are around people they can't talk to about it. You kind of get like a bit messed up in the head or it is possible that that happens. You know, I'm sure everyone listening knows plenty of people online like that, and that's exactly why they're online. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's a big thing, too. Like, I've always, like, definitely felt isolated in real life from people. Uh, just, like, just the mentalities about a lot of things just not matching up. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'm sure that a lot of people I know on in online, but in the AMV community specific, you know, suffer from depression and, like, just, like, a weird thing of, like, I'm not a weird thing, but just like a myriad of, of mental deficiencies or illnesses and stuff, afflictions, things like that. Yeah. Um, I forgot I was going to go with this, but uh, yeah, that's not, it's it's pretty prevalent just amongst creatives in general, you know, and you can, like, I, I funnel a lot of that into my work. Some of my best work, you know, editing wise in general, some of my best videos uh, were made when I felt like I was about to fucking like kill myself or something, you know, like I'm just like, no, nah, I'm just going to edit this video. Like I'll fo- focus into this or whatever. But I was like on the edge of like about to fucking just off myself or something. But, you, you know, but you can see that kind of emotion funneled into the editing too, like the video, at least it means that to me personally, but other people can even like 
see it and it definitely comes through and just like any form of art you know music or painting whatever it is you can you can put your emotions into the to the art itself um i i think there was a guy that did that with a Gurren lagan video called the age of spiralism yeah go to gangs uh yeah. Chris, christian man i used to be really tight with him um he kind of that video was the amazing the earth but that's that was that, I remember that remember that video got released. I have a couple of betas of that on like an old hard drive somewhere he sent me. Um but uh yeah, yeah. That was that's a pretty emotional. There's a lot of AMVs like that too where like I'm watching it and it means a lot to me because of the personal time in my life. So I associate both that AMV and that song with it. You know, you ever have that? Like you hear a song and it's like, "Oh shit, I'm 14 again," like in an instant. Oh yeah, like I'll I'll just scroll all the way back up on my or back then I didn't even have like an online platform like Spotify. Like I still have the same music folder that I used to have back in the day. Um and I just sort that by date and I I just go down. I'm like, holy shit, like I still um, use the the uh, Zune music player app. Uh when I was a kid I didn't have an iPod, I had a Zune. Oh my god. And gosh. Uh, on your computer to sync music to it, you had to like use like the weird program, but I got so accustomed to it. Like literally, this is like 2009. I got a gross, a grown so accustomed to that that like that's the only thing I'll use to play music still on my computer. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have a Spotify account. Well, don't, actually, I do, but it's like an artist account. I don't even use it to like listen to shit. It's just to upload stuff on. Um, but uh, I use the Zoom Music Player app to listen to stuff, and it's so shitty. But it's like what I've been using for literally 10 years now. I I think I've been paying for Spotify for the past seven years as a service. So I have this playlist that has over a thousand songs since I made it. And then when I go all the way back, you legit, like if you were to like scroll down and, you know, you can also sort it or like you can see the genres, you can legit see my music taste just changing as you scroll. You just go down, you're like, okay, it goes from like punk rock, to like metal, death metal. And then there's like rap in there and it's like, it starts being really weird. And even now it's like, um, I, I start adding songs from NH. I think that's his name. Oh yeah. Annie, Annie, Annie. I just call him Annie. NH, just one H. One singular and, uh, H. <laughs> we, uh, all right. I think we should wrap this up. It is has he been, mess- is he DMing you to shut the fuck up? Just kidding. Uh, I, no, I can't really talk about that. <laughs> but he's not. All right. Um, he's, not yeah. even, he's not even here. No, he's not. He's definitely he just fell asleep. He's just there. Yeah. He busted a couple of gifts and he passed out. Sucking on his thumb right there. He's not here. He he thinks he's messaging. He's here. That's not him. That's not even him. No. That's just, that's just Corey. It's all his icon. Yeah. Corey. So uh, we'll actually find out if Corey is going to be on the next episode. That would be pretty fun. We should. We should. You and me should definitely do another episode. We're definitely going to do another episode. Yeah, man. I feel like I just went through like a time capsule because talk about so much shit that we uh, actually remember happening back in the day. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot more. So we should definitely save for another episode. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Um. What's your, or what, what are you, what are you on? Are you, what's your, do you, are you still active on YouTube? Do you have anything uh, to, to plug? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll upload every now and then. Um, my name is 
Golden Shinigami, which is uh, a name I regret making. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because that used to be a backup account when backup accounts were a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still better than Muffin AMV, so you're it's good. Like, guys, you're before good. I get deleted, <laughs> please. But uh, you're, you're still active on there, though, so you upload um, stuff. Every now and then, but it's nothing I'm like nothing I'm really passionate about. Like I, I, I edit so much now in like my personal life, like professionally, that when I come home, I don't even want to touch this stuff. <laughs> but I do still do stuff from you know time to time. I'm very, very inconsistent. That's most people listening. That's fine. Um, Sorry you could, for calling you guys out. I'm not. I'm not. Um, you could find me youtube.com slash user uh, muffin AMV. You can see me in the link below. I go by OSNV now. Um, yeah. Uh, catch my stream twitch.tv slash OSNV. I'll be streaming again uh, at least three days a week probably coming up soon sometime in December. Uh, yeah. There's my there's my plugs. Also, that we didn't talk about at all. I'm sure everyone's expecting it still, but I do have an EP coming out early next year. I finally Ooh. record everything. Everything's being mixed. Everything's recorded. Um, so that's it. I spent the last year making music. Uh, so that will save talking about that from their time, I suppose. I don't know. Hold when on. When you release it. Scripting part two. Oh, my God. He's scripting part two. Scripting oh, part shit. two ever coming. Part two of a scripting series is coming. I keep redoing the writing on it. So nothing exists of it right now. I have an idea of what it is in my head. I recorded dialogue for it, uh, or I guess the part of the voiceover for it, like like a half month ago, probably now. And uh, I didn't like where it was. So I want to get in a place where it's where I want it to be and where it's good enough for the people who deserve to hear it. So it it is coming. 2020, it's coming. <laughs> right, you can't take that back now. I just said 2020, man. I could hey. do. I could. I could do December thirtieth. Oh, fair man. enough. Fair All enough. Right, so it's 2020. It's coming, boys. All right, man. Uh, I actually had a lot of fun doing this. So thank you for coming on the podcast. I think we're definitely going to do a part two uh, when we um, find another date again. Absolutely. But this was really man. fun. It was. It'd be great. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Peace out. AMV Zone Podcast is an upcoming platform dedicated but not limited to AMV editors who are interested in being host or guest during one of our podcasts. Everything is managed by On9000. If this is something that might interest you, please join the Discord server and add on in order to contact him. You can find us on YouTube as well.